Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. I'm Stuart Baird. And I'm John Hassel. We're back this time to talk about a subject that many of our listeners raise time and time again. Uh, That is really about the types of roads we have in Scotland and how we maintain them. Mm, yes, it's been a long time coming, this discussion. We get loads of questions about it, don't we? We do indeed. A lot of people think see it as this kind of mysterious thing. You know, they, they have <laughs> they have a good idea of what goes on, but they don't quite know the details and the facts behind it. So yeah. we're kind of hoping that we will enlighten some people yeah. with uh, some of what we have to, to say in Absolutely. this edition. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you're going to go through and tell us about the types of roads we have in Scotland, because I think it's important to understand that, first of Absolutely. all. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. then we're going to come back to me, and I'm going to tell you all about the history of roads maintenance uh, in the country since uh, motorways first appeared back in the very early 1960s. Mm-hmm. I should say it's probably a, a good time to do this topic, because... The trunk road maintenance contracts in the south of Scotland are actually due to change in the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. And there might be some publicity surrounding that and people might be thinking, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? So we're kind of trying to preempt that a bit, aren't we, by by doing this edition at this time? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's the the two contracts in the south. So it's the southwest and the southeast units are changing the contractor. That's right. Who who operates and maintains it. Yeah, so you're thinking about the the M8 through Glasgow or the Mm -hmm. the Fourth Road Bridge, the Queensferry Crossing. Or the the City Bypass. Or the M9, which we've just spoken about. Exactly. So some of the high profile routes are in, you know involved yep. in this change so it'll be good to, and we'll talk about that towards the end of the, the recording as well mm-hmm. so john first of all then yes tell us about the types of roads we have in scotland and this is this what we have in scotland is isn't necessarily the same as what is seen across the uk no there are several anomalies yeah of course <laughs> um Okay, well, I'll start this off first. When, when you talk about types of road, a lot of people might think, are we talking about A roads, B roads, C roads, M roads? Okay, yes, of course we do have these things. So I'm going to go through those classifications first, and then I'll get on to things like trunk, primary, local. Yeah, and people ask us fairly frequently what all these things mean. Yeah. You know, so okay. hopefully this will answer some of those questions. Hopefully they do. <laughs> So M-class of roads, this this one's easy, we should both know this, but this is for, for motorway roads. These are your blue lines on the map, and they've also got blue signs on them as well. You mm-hmm. know, it's the easiest way to tell something's a motorway. It's got a blue sign on it, Yeah, you know, that you see it there. Now, motorways can be prefixed with an M, such as the M8, or they can have... They can actually start with an A and have the M in brackets at the end, mm-hmm. in the case of the A74M or yeah. the A823M. Even though it starts with an A, has an M at the end... And, and does that mean that it's a, a road that still has motorway restrictions on it? Yes, that's yeah. right. So it still has what's called the special road order on it, which okay. means that that, that is a, a limited access highway yeah. to only so, certain yeah, types so of vehicles. You say that there about a special roads order. What what exactly does that, that mean then for a road? It means a road that's restricted to only certain types of traffic, like Class 1 and Class 2 traffic, that okay. can actually use it. And there's an order behind that. They're not public rights of way. This is another thing about things. So you can get like all motorways we talk about, everything with a blue sign, is a special road, but not every single special road is a motorway. There are some exceptions as parts of the Edinburgh City Bypass, yeah, uh, the A1 Expressway and things like that are un- under those types of orders. And well. I, rem- I remember us having a discussion we, with PC Nick about that. We did, yeah. Ago, it yeah. does. It comes up that subject, you know, and it, and I know in particular Sabre, um, the Society for All British and Irish Road Enthusiasts, have many topics dedicated to to talking about that in length. Okay, you know, so that that covers motorways. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about A roads. These are probably some of the most, if not the most common, that we see. The things that are prefixed by an A. Um, still, you can get very, very. It doesn't. Something that people think, you know, is because it's a motorway, it's a massive big thing, or if it's an A road, it's bigger than this, and so on. You can get some A roads which are multi lane. 
you yeah, know, th- yeah. three-lane dual carriageways and stuff like that. Like on the E78 at Irvine. Exactly. Yeah. So we have those those things. So A roads is a, is a major road, okay, okay mm-hmm. that we have. B roads, less so. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm talking about colours on these things, often you see A roads either have white signs or green signs mm-hmm. on them. Okay. B roads will always be on white signs. Yeah. And I'll get to what these colours mean. Okay. okay? Yeah. B, B roads, often yellow on a map, Stuart? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. And those mm-hmm. things, well, A roads are often either red or are they, they, they green. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, depending on whether they're primary or non-primary. Non-primary, we will get to that. Yeah. <laughs> now, there is another mysterious class of road okay. that most drivers will be completely unaware of. And right. these are called C roads. Ah. Okay. For every road that you see is unclassified on a map, they are actually classified. So it's a bit of a kind of a misnomer, that. Right, now... Classified, unclassified, what does that mean? Okay, so when we're talking about A roads, B roads, M roads for motorways, they are classified roads, okay? You see them signed as such, and something that's actually on a map. Unclassified roads is something that really isn't signed in anything. It's not. It can often be given a name, such as Station Road or yeah. something like that, but it doesn't have a, um, a, a, pu- number. a public number that's, yeah. that's to it. However, these things do have numbers, but what they, they, they are against like a local authority database because they still have to reference all their routes. Because it makes life easier for them. Because it makes life easier for them, but they do not appear on road signs. Okay. Or, yep. or do they? Wow. Occasionally, a slip-up happens when they are doing road signs. Okay. And they've referred to the route. Now, when I say C roads, this also can refer to some local authorities use the U, U or D all right. Okay. For their ones, so you get U roads, D roads, but they all come under that unclassified road mm-hmm. category that the local authority keep records of that. Yeah. You know, and you can request this from the local authority. Uh, and some very kind souls have actually gone, you know, OpenStreetMap yes. has gone and put a lot of the C roads on it. Nice. So if you want to know where the C roads are near you, then go and have a go look on, at OpenStreetMap open yeah. or, or, or Sabre Maps, for okay. example, and you can see yeah. them there. So uh, these are roads that, yes, they have numbers, but you just can't see them, but occasionally you do see them. On, on road signs. Interesting. Okay. You will see them on yellow diversion signs occasionally. Road close. Please use the U1278 or something like that. Which can't no- say I've ever seen one of those personal. I have, right? but, yeah. and I've seen it in West Lothian. Right, okay. Yeah, on the A904. Yeah, but, so I knew. yeah that's interesting. Yeah. I've seen it and I was like, well, nobody's going to know where that is. No, that's so, the problem. So this, this covers the, the prefixes. Yeah. So I, you heard us talking there about primary roads, trunk roads, and those kind of things. Okay. Yeah. So primary roads are are a network that's within the United Kingdom, but in Scotland it is slightly different. So I'll, I'll explain here. I'm going to take what I'm what I'm reading because it's been put quite well on the from the Sabre Wiki. Okay. Okay. So these guys have said a primary road or a primary route is a road within the United Kingdom that is part of the primary route network and is signed with green signs. Oh. So if you see a green sign, that's a primary route. The vast majority of primary route network are A-class roads, but there are some very rare examples of short lengths of B-class roads which are primary. And then it gives some examples here. Right. You know? okay. So let's, for argument's sake, let's just say, you know, the primary roads are A-roads and they've got green signs. Okay. Okay. Yep. Now, um, what determines what's a primary road and what's not? Primary routes are designed to show recommended routes between primary destinations, which are, in quotes here, 
places of major traffic importance, usually the most important towns and cities within an area, yeah. but occasionally other destinations such as junctions, bridges, ports or airports, or even smaller towns with important junctions within or also within that yeah. primary destination database. And that answers the question for those two of them that we get asked about frequently. One mm -hmm. of them is Aberfoyle, mm -hmm. and the other is the Fourth Road Bridge. Yes. And both of those destinations are primary destinations on the Scottish road network. Yes. But a lot of people don't often understand why. Because they're not cities or towns. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But what you've just said there Because they're all major that. important. Exactly. It's a major, okay. possibly a major, you know. Yeah, it's good. It, yeah. It, it's hard to just talk about. It's good if we had a big diagram here yeah. to show people. Yeah. But, okay, so hold the thought on primary roads. So there's this network of important roads which have green signs. Yeah. Okay. okay. Motorways are considered all primary routes as yes. well. Yeah. Okay. Then you get trunk roads. Okay. Now, trunk roads are roads which are maintained by the government, maintained and owned by, in, in Scotland, in the case, by the Scottish government. Okay. And they're maintained and paid for by Transport Scotland. Yep. Okay. However, not all trunk roads are primary roads, even though that's what they want them to be. Do you see what I mean here, Stuart? Yeah, that's interesting. So you tell me then that a trunk road, a trunk road that's an A road, mm -hmm. may not have, have a green sign. Exactly. Right. Okay. Good okay. example: A ninety five that runs from Kugelachie yes. to Keith. Uh huh. You know that's red on a map. Okay. White signs. So it's not a primary route. It's not a primary, but it's trunk, and it will also work the other way around. You can get primary routes, which are green signs and everything, but they're not trunk. The council maintain them. Interesting. So A71 yeah, so, in so Ayrshire. sections of the A71, you're right. That's the one that comes to my mind. I think there's even a section of the A73 in South Lanarkshire that's green on the map and has green signs. Yes. But isn't a trunk road. Yes. So it's like a so, primary route in the local authorities' yeah. eyes. Now, why is this? We don't. There's never been a consensus really on what to do with these. Although what they want to do is have every primary road a trunk road. Yeah, but now, we if know, they were yeah. to do that now, we'd suddenly have to add all these trunk roads. That's right. This is the that thing. would be difficult. And I, we seem to remember we have a document in the archive that's mm. a sort of a mid '90s document that states that the intention was that only trunk roads would have green signs. Yes. And not local authority rules would be white, but as you've just mm. said, 25 years on from that, in practice, that hasn't actually happened. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a bit of a hangover from the old days when you had green signs on non-trunk routes. Well, and I'm thinking of like a road again, like a historically, like the A721 mm. that goes from, say, Carlookout to Peebles had green signs on it. Yes. But it was never a trunk road. Exactly. You know. No, you're right. I think the A7 is an example. The other anomaly is the GSO. We've spoken about this before. The GSO has got white signs on it. And it's an A road, but it's non-trunk. It's it's a council road, but it's privately financed and operated. By Connect. By Connect. Yeah. Um, but it's overseen by Renfrewshire and, and South Lanarkshire mm -hmm. councils. And, and sorry, uh, East Renfrewshire, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but it's not got green so signs. And, yeah. White signs, non-trunk, but shows up as primary on the map. Yeah. Get your head around that. <laughs> You know, yeah. it must have been quite a call. So yeah, it yeah. always looks strange on that road when you go along on the white signs. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's a couple other wee anomalies in here that I'm going to ask you about. Hmm. I'll do my best. What's a non-trunk motorway? So a non-trunk motorway is a motorway that is not maintained by the government agency. So in the case of something that wouldn't be maintained by Transport Scotland mm -hmm. or by Highways England. Okay. Now, in Scotland, we don't actually have any of these. 
no, anymore. Right. Yeah. England, they do. They're, the urban motorways, I think, uh, in Leeds, in Manchester, and actually a section of the rural M65, which we've been on, if you remember uh, that, yeah. was maintained by the, the local authority and not Highways England. But they're motorways, yeah. So, uh, being, yeah, it's still a motorway. All the same rules apply, mm-hmm. still the blue signs, but the council look after it. Yeah. Which was basically the case with the M8 through Glasgow from Bayliston all the way through to Hillington mm-hmm. uh, until 1996. And we'll, we'll come on to that when we talk about maintenance. So, yeah, so we did have them in the past, but we don't now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another one I was going to ask you about. Yeah, we were talking earlier about the classification and the restrictions in particular on motorways. Mm-hmm. Now, what sort of things then are restricted from motorways in particular? So that's like when you look at the old signs, it's pedestrians, obviously. That's right. They have um, this thing with no learner drivers yeah, and no horse which, Although I know the learner driver regs have changed now. They have. Um, sensibly. Um, we also have restrictions on uh, mopeds under 50cc, mm-hmm. uh, animals. Uh, so people with horses and, and, and carts and things like that are restricted as well. Now, yeah. like you say, though, there are some roads in Scotland that aren't motorways but also have that restriction. And yes. one of the ones that comes to mind for me are the new Wraith Underpass on A725. Yes. That's got special road orders yeah. that restrict certain and things on it. And sections of the Edinburgh City Bypass as well, like we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. So it's a strange one. And then the GSO, the Glasgow Southern Orbital, mm-hmm. it has some special road restrictions on it as well, doesn't yes. it? It yeah, does. keeping cyclists away for, for safety reasons mostly, isn't it? Do you know, there's this commonly held belief um, about why they use this special road thing and you think, well, you know what, if you have these restrictions, why don't you just build a blooming motorway and do it? Yeah. Because if you you, you can build, um, building a motor, although a motorway isn't a legal term, so to speak, it has design standards attributed to it. Yeah. It yeah. means that you can build a road that functions like a motorway because you're restricting the traffic, but yeah. without having the same requirements of, of, of standard, such as things like hard shoulders and, and gradients and things like that. Yeah. You know, a motorway on the cheap. Yeah, basically, yeah. And, and coming back to those primary destinations, I mean, what you've said there, it makes sense. You know, mm. they are waypoints almost on the network to That's enable right. people to get there Scotch quicker. Corner yeah. is another one. At the end of the A66 in England. Carlisle yeah. is a big one in Scotland because whenever you're heading south, mm-hmm. Carlisle is the kind of main one that, that's pointed out. And that's sensible because that's the way the M74 goes and the majority of our traffic right. goes that yeah, way. Yeah. Someone rather flippantly stated on Facebook last oh, week, dear. I mean, you, you don't see Kilmarnock and all the signs in England. Well, you know, getting to the point that Carlisle has seen in a lot of signs up here. But it's all to do with the, the, the filtering of traffic in these directions, you know, heading south, you know. How would you how would you easily get to Kilmarnock, though, from the M6 or M7? You would go via Carlisle. Yeah, it just seems that seems like a strange thing to say. Fair enough, you'd put like Glasgow on the sides. Yeah, exactly. Like when you're coming north on the M6. Yeah. And you get beyond Penrith. Yeah. And then Glasgow and Edinburgh start to appear on the sides. Well, then I don't see a problem. Back. Exactly. So that, that's the whole point of it. But I think the person possibly missed the point <laughs> about why that right. destination was there uh, or why Carlisle specifically was the one that was being singled out. What does he think maybe something more important than Southern should I be there? I think he was perhaps implying political reasons. Um, right, behind that decision making which as we know is not the case uh, right, so okay. yes yeah, it's, it's good that we clarify that so that, I think that's okay that's a good sensible I'm hoping that loads of people hear what I'm saying <laughs> go oh listen I want to know this I want to know this or they correct me or they got more questions because it is something quite interesting yeah the one you know? thing as always with these things we have to state that Scotland kind of has its own way of doing things yeah so you know someone who thinks that, that oh but in England they do this that that's not right the way you're doing it in Scotland actually it might well be mm. it may have been changed by some document that was published 25 years ago that just mm. you know tread a new path 
Yeah. You know, for us here. Um, yeah, you know, it's always very open to interpretation from what I've seen on the, the, the discussions yeah, about these things. I, yeah. Primary routes are not legally defined. I mean, you yeah, There's you not a list of yeah. them in Scotland. In yeah. England, there's a list of primary routes. In Scotland, they're not. Yeah, well, we don't we don't have that. Our trunk yeah. roads are, are... Trunk roads are, are, but primary roads aren't. Yeah. They're just sort of lost uh, anomaly, aren't exactly. they? You know? I mean, the network in Scotland is of such a size that you do have to wonder if our primary routes really needed in addition to the trunk road system. Mm-hmm. because the Just have roads, it all trunk roads and yeah, then white sign everything else. Because the trunk road system is taking you between all the main points anyway. Right, you know, yeah. so, I, can't, I can't think of any roads that are like very, very important that are, that are non- yeah. primary that go I mean, with considerable distance between destinations. Yeah. Sure, I mean, like the expressway is a very important road, but only locally, you know? Exactly, yeah. And, that, and that's not a primary route. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah. if anyone does, if anyone does have any questions as yeah. a result of that, get fire them get in. in touch. Let yep. us know. Um, does that seem like a convenient point to move on to the the maintenance Seems of like these roads? Perfect point to move on to the maintenance okay. of the roads and mm-hmm. the background behind that. Okay. I see, you've got all your notes ready. Yeah, they're all here. They're all shuffle, 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 <laughs> shuffle. Pen, pen, pen. As always, right. yeah, yeah. Notes, okay. jotting things down. I, I take it you're going to jump in and quiz me on things. At points I will. I just want to say, have we got any questions from people this month, or are we? Is it just me quizzing you? It's just you quizzing me. Great. Uh, we're going to keep our listener Revenge. questions to to a, a more of an infrequent basis going forward, so that right. we can we can build them up. Build them up exactly. Okay, no all problem. Right. So, trunk roads. Hmm. Well, for trunk roads. Since 1936, in Scotland. In Scotland. Okay. Trunk roads, as you said, are maintained by the government. They're owned and maintained by the government. Mm -hmm. Okay. All other roads in Scotland are maintained by local authorities. Okay. Now, it's quite a complicated picture because there's been so much local government reorganisation through the generations Mm -hmm. that the way things are done, you know, changes through the years and there was a huge change in 1996 when there was big change uh, come through for local government and then again in 2001 so we're going to cover all these main points Mm -hmm. okay but i'm only going to take it back to the start of the motorway era in scotland because that's a kind of a that's a good starting point so early to mid 60s early to mid 60s and of course the first motorway opened in scotland in 1964 Mm -hmm. okay so from the period of say 1964 to 1975 any motorways or new trunk roads or big dual carriageways that opened were paid for by the government. Mm-hmm. Okay, Even when they were for council purposes, typically they were paid for by 75% of government cash mm-hmm. and the council would put the rest of the money up. This was the Scottish Development Department at the That's time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So in the case of local roads, even though the government were paying the three quarters of the cost, the local authority would then take on the maintenance and would look after them. Mm-hmm. Okay, A good example being the A71 dual carriageway between, say, Irvine and Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. Okay? A high-quality dual carriageway road that's non-trunk, so the local authorities there look after it, clean it, maintain it. Okay, mm-hmm. So that's, the, that's one type. In this early era, where we still had the county councils and the borough councils and the corporations for the cities, mm-hmm. they would maintain trunk roads on behalf of the government through a kind of agency agreement. Now, you would probably find that in those early days as well, 
that the appropriate county council or the borough council had been involved in the the design or the preparation of the scheme that came along. So I'm thinking the case of here, say the M8 between Newhouse and Edinburgh. Yeah, you I know, was thinking the M74 as well. And the M74, so the Hamilton mm-hmm. Bypass and yeah. at Newhouse, Lanark County Council mm-hmm. were the Scottish Office or Scottish Development Department's agent. Mm-hmm. So they might have done the design, they might have prepared it all, whatever else. So that road was a government road, but when it opened, the Scottish office paid them money to maintain it. So they would cut the grass, they would sweep the road, they would empty Carry the out trains. repairs. Yeah, they yeah. would do all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, And that continued up to 1975. The counties would do you know, some of the bigger routes, but there were also some of the borough councils as well. So thinking in Greenock, for example, the E8 through Greenock was mm-hmm. looked after by the borough council there. Um, there was the borough of... Bridge that had involvement mm. in some Renfrew Borough as well. Yeah, yep. exactly. So you know, all these different councils all had an involvement. Okay, they were paid to look after. Everything changed in 1975 when we abolished all the counties and boroughs and the corporation, which is a sort of different case, but I'll tell you in a minute. Um, and we ended up with the regional councils: Strathclyde mm. Regional Council, Lothian Regional Council, Central Regional Council, blah blah blah. So, Highland Grampian, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Beyond 1975, they continued to maintain trunk roads on behalf of the government mm-hmm. through agency agreements. Now, there's some anomalies here, and that is the M8, as I mentioned earlier, from Bailston all the way through to Hillington, okay? Mm-hmm. Because that motorway was built by Glasgow Corporation in their highway plan, as we always talk about. Mm-hmm. So even though the government paid them 75% of the cost, that motorway was the council's motorway. Mm-hmm. And other add-ons to that were the Dumbreck Road connection in the M77 and eventually the steps bypassed for Strathclyde Regional Council. So these were non-trunk motorways. Yeah. Okay. Maintained by the council. Still maintained. Still, still same rules, yep. as I was saying earlier. Yep. With it. Mm-hmm. Hold on a minute. We've spoken about this before. There was some strange thing where there were no junction numbers. That's that's right. Initially on the stretch from uh, from uh, Bailston through to Hillington, there were no junction numbers. They didn't, numbers. didn't have any junction numbers no. on there. They were added later. They came later through the, through the 1980s, yeah, when yeah. there was a bit more of a joined-up approach. So, you know, the junction number ended at Newhouse and started mm-hmm. again at Hillington. Yeah. Okay? So think of this as, a, as an example then, right? So junction 25 of the M8 at Cardonald mm-hmm. is a council motorway in the mm-hmm. period from 1975 to 1996. Yeah. So Strathclyde Regional Council go in and they do patching repairs on the surface or they cut the grass with the help of Glasgow District Council and others. They pick the litter, they clean the signs, they do all the routine repairs, they grit the road. Mm-hmm. Now, when they get to Hillington, Junction 26, they pass into Trunk Road Motorway. Trunk mm-hmm. Motorway. Still the M8. Still the M8. And up until the period 1996, the council would continue and they would maintain the motorway all the way out to Greenock and beyond. Mm-hmm. because the Scottish Development Department were paying them money to do that mm-hmm. as part of a, an annual agreement. Okay, And they would do routine works and they would build the, the SDD for the for the cash. Mm-hmm. Right, So that's kind of the, the best way Makes to Makes sense, yeah. right, yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, you have to bear in mind that the councils were also maintaining all the residential streets, mm-hmm. all the primary routes, all the other non-primary routes that they had in every, their network you, as well. Every road. So it's like Strathclyde Regional Council had, you know, hundreds of kilometres of road, thousands of kilometres of roads yeah. to maintain. Okay? They just did everything. Mm-hmm. So where you have a council road going over a motorway, mm-hmm. there was no distinction between, oh, that's not ours, that's yeah, government's, or, you know. <laughs> find that with my work. Yeah, you do, you get that. Yeah. Everybody just, you know, they did everything. 
Yeah. And it was it was almost a pretty simple it was a simple way of doing it. You know, there was mm. there was no skirting responsibility for anything. No, because it was all yeah. one body. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that continued for uh, for many, many years, that system up until nineteen ninety six. Mm-hmm. And it was decided in the early nineteen nineties that uh, local government in Scotland was not working. Mm-hmm. Now, in the eyes of many people it was working just fine. Yes. In the eyes of others, it wasn't working so well. It was too big, it was too remote. A whole raft of reasons. Expensive. Exactly. And they decided to break up all the regions and the district councils. There were 73 districts in nine regions. That's what I was going to say. It was the two-tiered system. So you had the regional council. Within the regional council, you had the district councils. That's right, yeah. And they decided that they were going to abolish all those and they were going to replace them with unitary authorities. So Mm -hmm. there was 32 unitary authorities. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, it was found that basically 27 of those were going to have trunk roads within them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was felt that this change offered an opportunity to move to a new system of maintenance for the trunk road network as well. Mm-hmm. And in the early nineties, the Scottish Office produced a document which we have a copy of here. I was looking for that, and you had it hidden yes, under I your notes. Uh, <laughs> and that document right. was called "Competing for Better Roads: uh, It's the yep. Future Management and Maintenance of Scotland's Trunk Road Network." Mm-hmm. Okay, published in December nineteen ninety four. It's actually not long before the regions ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were quite pushed for time. Now, in this for the first time, they start using the P word. And the, the P? P word in this case is private. Private. Private operators. Right, okay. So, or even outsourcing it. Outsourcing. Yeah, ah, okay. So, that raised a few eyebrows. Had, had this ever been done before? Well, surely, obviously, when you, you construct a road, yes, you bring in private companies to do things, but maintaining it was always done in-house. In Scotland, yes. Right. By this stage in England, they had already started using some private providers mm-hmm. to provide advice services, some maintenance services, that kind of thing. Things had moved away from some of the, the councils down south. In Scotland, this was a new thing. And there were several hundred people employed across Scotland by the councils who were basically employed on trunk road maintenance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, not only that, but they also took the opportunity to review the extents of the trunk road network in Scotland for mm. the first time since, I think, 1946. Indeed, yeah, yeah. I remember reading that. Yeah, because I remember things changing around about that time where suddenly signs would change and routes yeah. would change. Yeah. So, you know, so they, they decided, you know, okay, we're going to have this fundamental change of how things are maintained. These mm. regional councils aren't going to exist. Let's, let's treat the trunk road network as a separate thing for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's be honest... Are we content with the, the the extents of the trunk road network that we have? Should we reduce it? Should we enlarge it? And there were a number of changes made. Um, I won't go into all the details, but one that I can certainly think of off the top of my head was that the A73, which had been a trunk road, mm-hmm. was removed. Yes. Um, you know, so the the A7 from, from, the, right, from uh, basically the city bypass down to Gala Shields. Gala Shields, that's another one that had been trunk removed and, and was yeah. detrunked. So there were some changes made to that um, mm-hmm. at the same time. Now, this document looked at a number of ways that they could potentially do things. Uh, And ultimately, they settled on there being operating companies Mm -hmm. in some areas and a sort of a a continuation of the existing arrangement in others, but Mm -hmm. on a priced basis. Okay. So the councils still do it, but they'd almost pretend like they were a company. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So there was nine of these areas. Nine? Yeah, nine. Nine of these areas created in total i think mm. and we're going to just count them through and we'll just make sure because it might be eight so there was three premium units that were proposed mm-hmm. tay fourth and clyde mm-hmm. 
And then there were five other units, non-premium units. So that's eight. Yeah, so there were I think they were just proposed. they were called trunk road units. Were they, they were not? trunk road units, yes. Yeah. And they were southwest, southeast, northwest, northeast, and central. Yes. Okay. The premium units were going to run for an initial five-year period from 1996 to 2001. Mm-hmm. The other units were going to run for an initial three-year period with the potential for two-year renewals and extensions to take it up to the same time. Hmm. Okay. So eventually they settled on this. Yep, we're going to have these three premium units and these five other units. Okay. In the premium units, a single operating company would come in and it would do basically everything. And mm-hmm. it would be paid to do that. So that was winter maintenance, inspections, uh, designing up schemes and, and getting all that stuff keeping it going. on the yeah. ground. Basically keeping it going. In the other areas, the councils continued to do things like gritting and all that sort of thing just on the basis they had before. But some of the additional works, like the inspections and things like that, they were paid to do that. To do that. So yeah. in this initial batch... Even though the Scottish office encouraged private companies to get involved, there wasn't really a lot of interest at that time. I think mm. maybe it was just, just a bit too early in Scotland for that. Mm-hmm. And basically, council-led consortiums snapped up all the contracts. Yeah. Okay. So you had CLAC, which was the Clyde Local Authority Consortium who ran the Clyde Premium Unit. So that was like Glasgow City Council, North Lanarkshire Council, South Lanarkshire Council, Renfrewshire Council. And they all banded together to continue to provide the services that Strathclyde had provided up to 1996. Yeah. Okay. Sense, you with me so far? I'm with you. It sounds confusing, but I I can see how they all kind of worked out to go, well, okay, we're going to do the same thing, but it was just calling it something different. That's right. And in the southwest of Scotland, like Dumfries and Galloway and South Ayrshire, they came together and they did various bits and bobs as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... The Scottish office got the change that it wanted and that they changed the structure of it. So they had their network of trunk roads and motorways. Mm-hmm. But I don't think politically they really achieved what they had hoped to get. Mm-hmm. And that was bringing in private operators because it was felt at the time that the private operators would bring efficiencies yes. and other innovations that would, you know, save money in the long run, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe shake up the system a bit more. Okay. Yeah. So that's 1996. Three years later, Things change again. 1999. Yeah, because devolution comes along mm-hmm. and the Scottish office is replaced by the Scottish executive. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the autumn of 1999, the Scottish executive published a, a paper where it was said that, yep, the new system is working well. Um, however, there's some changes we should make. And at that time, it was decided that rather than have eight individual units and th- you know having three premium units and five other units, mm-hmm. it was decided that there would only be four Units for the whole country. So what? They were just going to quarter the whole of Scotland up and go... Basically. That kind of sounds like what we've got now. Correct. Yeah. So what we ended up with was a northwest unit, a northeast mm-hmm. unit, a southwest unit, and a southeast unit. Okay? Right, okay. And each of these four areas, um, whoever was going to win those contracts would do all the work. Right. So none of this... you know, you sounds simpler. Gritting. Yeah, it was, it was simple. It was going to be much simpler. Mm-hmm. And they invited bids for these contracts in the year 2000. Now, you're saying they had some trouble attracting interest from uh, private companies before. In 1996, they did. They did, but now, you know, maybe things have moved on a little bit. Were the councils also bidding for that work as well? So the councils were desperate to retain this work because it was a a key source of income for them. They they were making money from this. They were being paid to provide these services and they were were bidding for that. So some of their crews that were maybe working on the motorways... 
might also be working on some of the residential streets and things like that mm-hmm. as well. So they had all these skilled people who were involved in the roads maintenance across the council areas. And it was a good way for them to keep their income up mm-hmm. and keep, you know, keep these guys busy. So they were keen to retain it. And in fact, in the bids that came in, in the 2000, um, you know, uh, phase, there were actually 12 companies bidding for the four contracts. Now, what okay. happened was because, yep, we know that there was there was private interest by this time, as well as public interest. And the way that some of the councils tried to get some private involvement was to involve like engineering consultants and contractors. So I was reading earlier on that in the Southwest, for example, the Clyde, uh, the, the councils who'd been in the Clyde Local Authority Consortium, they brought in Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick, mm-hmm. you know, as an engineering consultant who designed and built all of the motorways, you know, to get some private involvement. There was also private contractors going to be involved. Morrison Construction were one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was Tayside Contracts up in the Northeast. You know, they, they were all involved. But there were also private operators bidding as well. Amy, mm-hmm. who we've all heard of. Bear, another one that we've heard of. And mm-hmm. a couple of others that didn't win and have never been heard of again uh, that mm-hmm. involved companies like Atkins and, you know... Yeah, you know, who seem to like kind of cobble together things. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yep. So eventually we went through a very, very fast-tracked process because time mm-hmm. was very tight because those initial contracts were up in the April of 2001 and the Scottish Executive had no scope to extend beyond it because of European procurement rules. Mm-hmm. They had to let the contracts. And then late... Uh, 2000 into early 2001 I think around February 2001 only two months before the contracts were due to start they announced that Amy had won the southwest and southeast contracts mm-hmm. and that Bear Scotland had won the northwest and the northeast contracts okay now the councils were hugely upset because it had gone to these these private companies yeah. that it was seen as mm-hmm. it was seen as privatization yeah okay and a lot of people what happened to like all the council staff who, who worked and done these things? A lot of them, well, were they brought over? Well, or? this is where it gets controversial as well. Right, okay. Because the Scottish executive made the decision not to ensure or not to require the incoming operator to transfer in staff. There was no 2 pay requirement worked in. Right, okay. And that's the transfer of undertakings yeah. you know, for where contract providers change. Yeah. Even more controversially, pension arrangements would not be guaranteed for anybody who moved from the council position, which had good So the length of service yep. and things like that, right, I see. To any of the private operators, they didn't automatically get the same pension mm-hmm. entitlement. Yeah. It was very controversial. And it caused a lot of bitterness at a number of local authorities, you know, mm-hmm. in that, that early stage. Um, but the, the challenges went, uh, you know, um, unheard. Yeah. Um, you know they, they were unsuccessful a couple of the, the council consortiums challenged the decision through the courts there was mm-hmm. complaints to the European Commission there was complaints uh, through the, the, the court of session in Edinburgh, ultimately they were unsuccessful mm-hmm. and the private operators took over on April the 1st, 2001 and that was it, April Fool's Day basically, yeah mm. um, it took a while for the new private operators to bed in as mm-hmm. you can imagine, coming in fresh, not all the staff moved from the councils to these new private operators. So perhaps they weren't resourced properly, they yep. didn't maybe have that there, experience. There were some teething problems in the early days. I remember mm-hmm. that a manhole collapsed in the M8 in oh, Russia. Oh, the famous manhole. It's, this yep. is a thing of legend. Only within work, a day yeah. or two of the private operator taking over, and it caused chaos across the M8. And of course, what did the councils say? Well, if you'd kept us in charge, that would never have happened. Yeah, and of course, of course. it got 
pages and pages of newspaper coverage and it was outrage and all sorts of things. Mm. Ultimately, it all settled down very quickly and we've been basically working to the to the same system ever since. Yeah. So that first generation contract from 96 to 2001 um, kind of introduced the model that we have now, but not quite the same. So it was really 2001 before we really get into the system that we, that we still have today. Mm-hmm. Um, so a brief overview of what's happened since then in Scotland. I should say that at that time in 2001, uh, something like 90 kilometres of the M74 was being maintained by Autolink privately under the DBFO project that completed the route from Millbank to the border. Yeah, these are these yeah. these contracts, just to go into this just shortly, these are these long agreements of like 30 years where, you know, it's it's you get somebody to design the road, then build the road, then operate. That's what it stands for, DBFO and, and, and um, finance as well. Exactly. So that so was... They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're almost like their own little units just running that route. And we have them now with the section of the M8 between Billison and Newhouse yeah. and the Autolink, as you say, down on the A74M <clears> and also the M80 upgrade yeah. is covered with that. So, so at that time, we all had the one. So the four yeah. units were basically the vast majority of the network other than that section of M74. Yeah. In 2006, the contracts changed again, and we moved into the third generation of that contract, known within the industry as 3G. 3G, because um, up to that point, it was, yeah, we, we, we look back <clears throat> and call it 2G. Then, yeah, don't we? That's, yeah right. that's right. So yeah. let's think about this then. So we had Bayer in the north, and we had Amy in the south from 2001 to 2006. Mm-hmm. In 2006, the south units changed to Amy in the southwest, yes. but Bayer won the southeast. Mm-hmm. The following year in 2007, Bayer retained the northeast, and Scotland Transev came in and won the northwest. Scotland Transev are the, are the Balfour BT company. It was Balfour BT and Michelle together yeah. in, a, in mm-hmm. a joint venture, and they won that. And that continued up until 2013, 2013 in 2014. the south. Yeah. And then 2013, Scotland Transev won the southwest unit, mm-hmm. and uh, also lost the Northwest because that round they did the two West contracts rather yeah. than North and South. So Scotland Transserve won the Southwest but lost the Northwest. That was won back by Bear. Mm-hmm. And then the following year in 2014. That's right. Amy won back the Southeast. Mm-hmm. Bear lost that, but Bear retained the Northeast. They and also created a new little uh, trunk road unit <laughs> that you, what I was you were not say. mentioning here that's yep. hurting me greatly. Um, I was but... getting to it, John. <laughs> Carry on, please. So, yeah, so in that interim <laughs> time, there were other changes to the trunk road system in Scotland. Mm-hmm. We had more DBFOs created, so the M80 upgrade, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was given to a private operator for 30 years. Yep. We had the M77, yes. that's a 30 years, and we had the M8 DBFO contract between Bales Newhouse and Rafe Underpass, all these other bits, that's also a private contract. So bits of the network were being taken away from the day-to-day running of the government and handed to private operators. Mm -hmm. But also, the decision was made to alter the way in which the fourth road bridge was managed, Mm -hmm. and the construction of the Queensferry Crossing offered an opportunity to do that. And Mm -hmm. what they did was they created the fourth bridges unit that basically took in the two bridges and a proportion of the network on either side of the bridge. Yes, because well. the fourth road bridge was maintained by <clears throat> by FETA, which was the fourth estuary transport authority. Yeah, which 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 up to but it was actually funded by the tolls and the bridge. When they got rid of the tolls in two thousand eight, it got a government grant. Yes, and you should also state, and mm-hmm. this is another one of these anomalies we should probably have mentioned, mm-hmm. that FETA was made up of membership of all the constituent local authorities around the estuary. That's right. Yeah. So that was council as well. So yeah. God, it was really, 
it was quite confusing. I know, and then they, they they were dissolved, yeah, and then they they were they were put into this new unit, yeah, you know? and that came into existence in the August of 2014, mm-hmm. and Amy won that contract as well. And yeah. there has been fierce competition for all of these contracts when they've come up, you know, since 2001. There's always a lot of interest mm. among the, the private operators, you know, to, to retain work or keep work going. Somebody described it you know, when I when I seen it. Uh, I think it was on social media as as the great operating company merry-go-round. Yeah, it you know? kind of, I mean it kind of is. You know, because all these things change over. You know, fair play if somebody's listened to this and they've kept up with it. But Stuart, it's just changed again, isn't it? It has. So in August 2020, mm-hmm. uh, we have another generation of contracts coming in in the south. Mm-hmm. Uh, Transport Scotland has advertised for those and, and there's been a few changes to the way things are going to be done um, mm-hmm. you know, contractually and uh, it was announced in March that mm-hmm. Amy had won the South West contract and that Bear had won the South East contract it was so also Amy in the South West for the third time for the third time mm-hmm. and Bear in the South East for the second time mm-hmm. and uh, it was decided that the 4th Bridges unit which had operated for a few years would be put back into the southeast unit, so you would have two units almost of equal size in yeah. the south. In terms of the revenue that the you know that goes through them every year, of course, yeah. Uh, the north contracts they won't be announced until sometime in twenty twenty one. Yeah. So that, that this is where our convenient change is mm-hmm. at the moment. Now there's another dynamic to this right. for roads maintenance purposes because the operating companies mm-hmm. don't look after the communication system. Mm-hmm. So the traffic Scotland system, so you mean the, like all the cameras and the, the gantries cameras and the, and the phones and all these sorts of yeah. things and the gantry flashing signals and the message signs, they're maintained by someone else. It's Nadex. That well, you can't use that word. They did right. away with that. It's traffic Scotland. Traffic Scotland. Yeah. yeah. Nadex ceased to be many years ago, mm-hmm. uh, but Nadex had grown from Citrac in Glasgow and FedEx in Edinburgh, and those mm-hmm. were both council-run and maintained and paid for. Mm-hmm. Became Nadex. Strathclyde Regional Council ran Nadex yeah. up until 1996. And then beyond 1996, mm-hmm. it was then bid for as well by private operators. Serco had some involvement initially, and then Amy had some involvement. And then when Traffic Scotland was formed, they devised a new contract for the Traffic Scotland operator. Mm-hmm. So for the operations and the infrastructure aspect. And Amy are the current holder of that contract. So they, right. they don't only maintain the equipment at the roadside, they also operate and run the control room in South Queensbury. Mm-hmm. So the people who sit in there and monitor the cameras and answer the phones and do all that kind of work yeah. and change the messages, they're all employed by Amy as well. And again, mm-hmm. that's on behalf of Transport Scotland. So that's just another dynamic yeah. in there. So it's all private companies doing everything. It is now, yes. Yeah. It is now. Now. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Well, do you know what I'm, I'm going to say? Yes, it does, because I, I work in this industry, yeah. so it makes sense to me. I think you've done a very good job of trying to explain it's, it's this. It's not the easiest thing to but explain. Actually, it's very easy to see it if you see it on a map of where these units are and who it is, and you can see that on Transport Scotland's website. I'm going to come to you in a moment and ask you what the day-to-day running of a contract is like. Sure. Okay, but firstly, just to sum up, um, really, you can assume that in the period from 1964, when the first motorway opened, to 1975... It was probably either your local borough, the corporation or the county council who were maintaining the roads. Mm-hmm. From 1975 to 1996, it mm-hmm. was the regional council who were maintaining the roads and the motorways. From 96 to 2001, it was probably your local authority working in conjunction with other local authorities to maintain them. And since 2001, it's been a private operator. Yes. So that's a nice, quick nice way of summing it up. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's fine. So... 
You right. work in the trunk road contracts yes, in the industry. I, do. I have as well, mm-hmm. but um, we're not going to talk about me. We're going to talk about you because you're still doing it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've worked in. Can I, can I say freely where I've worked and where I do work? I suppose I can. Yes, you can. You know, uh, I've I've worked um, and still do work on the Fourth Bridges unit, um, but I have done work on DBFO contracts. Yeah, I've done little bits of work also on the, the southeast unit and stuff. It's quite funny is the southwest unit which focuses on the Glasgow motorways, but I haven't actually worked. It's on. the one you've not, which is the not one I've spent most of my time. Yeah, you know, so okay. the, the hobby's separate from the work. Yeah. So then, tell me then, what sure. what do these operating companies? Not being specific to any area, just in general, what are the operating companies in mm-hmm. AB or Transev? What are they responsible for? What do they do every day? Loads of things, Stuart. So there's inspections that need to be done. There's also incident response, monitoring the route and things like that that happens. Uh, there's also delivering of, of emergency repairs and planned works as well that you have. Now, there's for each of these things, there's a set of rules in how you should do it. There's a contract that is issued by Transport Scotland to the incumbent contractor, and we have to follow and adhere to these things, and all units have to do that. And we work from the guidance and the manuals that are provided to us by the, the client, Who's Transport Scotland? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know. Yeah, so I suppose in <clears throat> terms of the inspections and things like yeah. that, they determine what has to be done and what, how exactly. frequently. And I, I think I've spoken about this before, but there are different categories of defects from things being, you know, the category one defects, which are safety critical defects that must be dealt with immediately or within twenty four hours, or by six a.m. the following morning. Things like dangerous potholes and things like that have to be have to be dealt with. And then there are lesser, minor defects, like category two defects, and you you collect these through a series of inspections of the assets to then you you put that together into a plan programs of works to to repair these things yeah and and, you know and that's asset management holistically what i'm talking about there and asset management is obviously a huge part of it It, knowing what you've got yeah and you've got teams of engineers who work behind the scenes to design up you know further works and things like that so be it bridge repairs road repairs barrier repairs yeah i mean it's it's a stuart what you're just saying there is true because it's it's massive there's so many different asset types on the road and so many different specialisms within the highways maintenance sector yeah i'm tickling the side i'm roads i'm a roads guy yeah, you yeah. know, uh, and there's lots of things involved with that. I know you yourself, you're you're a bitches guy. Yeah. You know, you've you've worked in there are loads of different things that must be inspected at certain intervals, in certain ways. Uh, particularly everything from the cat's eyes on the road to the barrier yeah. to the signs to the cable chambers and manholes. Yeah. You know, there's other things that people probably don't even think about. So, for mm-hmm. example, in a place like Dundee, yes. where you've got a trunk road going through a major town, mm-hmm. if someone wants to build something new and there's a planning application. The operating company actually comments in the planning applications and yes. things like that on behalf of Transport Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, abnormal loads, so vehicles that are heavier than 44 tonnes that move. Of course. The management and the maintenance and the routing mm-hmm. of them, that's all handled by the operating companies as well. Incidents that happen. Yeah. You know, if you get accidents or spillages or debris, yep. you know, the operating company has to maintain a control room yep. that then sends people out to go and deal with that. Now, that customer-facing aspect of it is quite important, and we have the TRIS service in certain parts of the network. The Trunk Road Incident Support Service. Yep. And I think at the moment we have that round about the Fourth Bridges, Edinburgh mm-hmm. area, Glasgow area, Aberdeen. Uh, yes. Well, I think I think um, what you're thinking of is north is near Inverness. They actually have a trip as well. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if the Aberdeen bypass that's maintained by Connect, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure if they have a trip. Not sure what either. they have there. Uh, and the M80, they have one yeah. as well. So they kind of the busiest parts of the network have this incident support service, that, and that's those vans that everyone thinks is a speed camera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's the vans. And, and if you break down, these guys will turn up to make sure you're okay and they'll yep. look after you until such time your recovery people come up mm-hmm. or you get you know somebody comes yeah. to, to see, see you. Nick, Nick loves the trips. When we had Nick on here, he's always raving about how helpful they are. You know, uh, yeah, because it's less work him. for the police. <laughs> it's less work you know, it's for more donut eating time for them. You know. I hope he's listening. <laughs> he's gonna go so nuts. do I. He's going to go nuts. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we do. So spoke quite a lot about inspections, running these things, and then of course it's the actual repairs that we yeah. we have to do as well. And that can be repairs of existing, but it can also be new schemes as well. You know, so if there's major changes being pro- proposed to something, you know, you, you, the operating companies will be involved in that. That's right. Extent. I mean, big big contracts that works contracts. It's like for example, Fourthrow Bridge is at the moment we're replacing the main expansion joints yep. on that. So we we although we're 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 looking after that job, we get a contractor in also to act as the principal contractor on that. Exactly. Well. So you, you know. you're basically, basically can, all the day to day running yeah. and management and maintenance of the network would, is being done by the company on behalf. Would of we build a new junction? Would we build it? Probably no. not. That would be a capital scheme funded yeah. by the Scottish government. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, separately. But no, any minor improvements we do. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's quite an interesting industry to be yes, involved. There's, in. there's a heck of a lot to talk about. I'm speaking about this in a way where I don't go down a rabbit hole here and talk for twenty minutes about yeah. barrier or something. You know, exactly. Because um, there's so much work that well, gets done. Absolutely, all the time, and most of it, in fairness, happens when everyone's sleeping. And you know, there's one thing we haven't mentioned, and some of our colleagues and ex-colleagues would probably be annoyed that we forgot about them. Okay. Winter maintenance. The gritting, of course, <laughs> and stuff like that. Because you and I, Stuart, we never... Well, I've I've been a winter officer, yeah. uh, just monitoring, you yeah. know, and yeah. not necessarily decision-making, but monitoring. Yeah. Um, but you, you didn't get too involved, in, too that involved in that side but of actually, things. But actually, that's a huge job and a skill and, and a role that actually has a lot of risk attributed to it. Yeah, I mean, you people, need to... people might not be aware that in the winter months, someone mm-hmm. is sitting... Somewhere in a control room monitoring conditions. Constantly the weather. Constantly, You make yeah. up the plan during the day. This is how it works. You make up the plan during the day based on the forecast that you get at noon. Yeah. And you go, right, okay, great. We'll grit at this time because there's going to be rain earlier on. Yeah, But yeah. that might change, yeah. you know. So it's all, yeah. So, you know, in those months from October right through to uh, right through to May, mm-hmm. you know, that, that there's always consideration Something. of weather and then you also get things like the multi-agency response teams if there's particularly bad weather or big events and that brings everybody together like the police and the Met Office and you know and even occasionally Network Rail so yeah exactly yeah I mean Network Rail can get involved that's right yeah that, that's where everybody goes up and a representative from each organisation goes to sit in Traffic Scotland and everyone works together with the civil servants of Transport Scotland to to coordinate the efforts of running the infrastructure during a difficult time. Yeah, indeed. All very fascinating. Yes, it is. And that's that's what I do. Someone's phone going off there. That Someone's one. popular, is that, it you? Is that, that another question coming that, in, Stuart? That is probably a question coming can I, in. Can I say, this is a massive topic. If people do have questions about things, I, I will do my best to answer them. If it's, John, what's it like to work in roads maintenance? Or why why does it take so long for you guys to fix potholes? And why was there cones on the road and nobody working? You can ask me these things and I will try and answer. Yeah, I, I think it's important. I think it's mm. important. I, I, going back historically... Uh, it's it's easy to look back and say oh things were wonderful mm-hmm. in the old days um, but it's kind of hard to know because sometimes we look at the old photos and the old footage from like the 80s and the 90s mm-hmm. and you see a lot of 
build up of debris and things like that at the side of the road and, and graffiti think, mm, remember that we yeah. Stuart and I have been doing so much slide scanning lately it's been great hasn't it yeah uh, and yeah we see the same things there <laughs> yeah, yeah you do not yeah. as bad perhaps but, not as bad but, yeah. but then again things were a bit fresher and new back then you that's, know which always yeah, makes it look, exactly. look a bit better we also have I mean that's the other things that's changed through the years like in Glasgow a lot more of the grass used to get cut at the side of the that's road right. oh that's that another have... big thing we've got to do is a cyclical maintenance yeah is grass cutting. So if we're not gritting in the winter, we're cutting all the grass in the summer. Yeah, you know exactly. Uh, you know, if you go back 30 years, yeah. uh, at Cumbernauld Road, for example, all the grass in that area would be cut and it mm-hmm. would all be, you know, landscaped fairly well, but as efficiencies have worked through the system, uh, you know, the, the areas being cut have been perhaps reduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, typically now they'll only do a metre and a half cut at the edge of the carriageway, right. maybe a wider cut, maybe once a year, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So there have been changes as well, you know, as, as you mm-hmm. go through. Got to protect that wildflower. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's right. These things are important. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. I think that's been a fairly comprehensive look. It, it has, but it could be more comprehensive. Oh, I mean, it could. You we know, can easily sit here and go into real it's detail. It's a subject we've never really gone into detail <clears> before. <throat> if anybody's got any questions, just let us know, because I've enjoyed talking about it. You know, there's one other bridge. I'm just going to throw this in before we move on and talk right. about what's coming up um, in the rest of the summer. Go for the it. The Tay Road Bridge, we never mentioned the Tay Road Bridge. It still exists as an entity in its own right that is maintained by the councils. Uh, so it's the Tay Estuary... T Bridge Board, T Bridge Board, and that still has the involvement of the council. So that's not. A so that's group. a bit like what what was happening at the Fourth Road Bridge yeah, with Fetter. Yeah, that still exists, but they get a capital grant from the Scottish government every year to allow them to. Because it's the A ninety two that goes. Over, it is, yeah. It, yeah, which is a trunk road, but yeah. So that's just another. Anomaly. So they've got their own little um, dominion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Basically, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, any questions, as John says, send them in to us. We're very happy to answer them. Mm-hmm. We're just going to talk a bit about what's coming up over the next uh, couple of months because obviously coronavirus uh, restrictions have really killed basically any events uh, that we had planned. The Kingston Bridge events obviously went online and were very successful on there. Mm-hmm. Um, we are taking part in the Glasgow Doors Open Days event again this year. Uh, they announced a few weeks ago that there will be an online-only offering this year. As you can imagine, that's sensible to do that. Mm-hmm. We will be running a live webinar mm-hmm. on the Saturday. I think it's the 19th of September, mm-hmm. and I think it's between 2 and 3 p.m. We'll be doing a live webinar presentation with some photos in the history of the motorway system, and we'll be doing a Q&A at the end. Uh, John and I will be here for that. We'll be live, broadcasting live to the world. Uh, details on that will follow nearer the time, but just to give you a heads up to watch for that, the Doors Open Days programme will be coming soon. Um, in terms of other events, it's all very much up in the air still. Um, we we have been getting through some of the slides. All your kind support from earlier in the year and late last year has helped us with that. So John and I in particular have been have been looking at some of that. So we mm-hmm. thank you for that. We are the, coming the, across the, some the real do- good stuff. The donations that people have made have really been enabled us to to share some yeah. of the things that we've were trying to digitize because we've yeah. had to upgrade some of the technology yeah. uh, so that we can do this quicker and do yeah. it in better quality as well yeah. um but and it's not thank cheap, you so it's much cheap business no it, re- it really is and, it, and it's fidgety and it's oh, a yeah. lot of work and a lot of time um but yeah something you may want to keep a note of in your diaries as well is that we have a small item that will be going on sale soon ah. um is this the autograph photo of you Stuart? how did you guess <laughs> how did you guess such demand this for is it. it i know <laughs> this is related to the kingston anniversary 
Kingston's 50th anniversary. So stay tuned for that. I'm not going to give the game away because we want to have a big reveal when when it becomes available. So stay tuned for that in the next mm-hmm. few weeks. I'm sure you will all enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of other events, we don't have much planned, as I say, so much up in the air. But we would very much like to have one public-facing event this year, if possible. It's nice to, to actually talk to people face-to-face. But, you know, we're missing it aren't we I'm missing it but I, I understand why I know. Uh, in a lot of things and the, and the safety of everyone needs needs to come first Absolutely. I mean we're lucky Stuart we can do these podcasts and we've got social media and, and you're saying we can do Glasgow's Doors Open Days and Q&As over the web yeah. you know um, but you know these things will come and uh, it'll be really good to get to chat with people again and show off our stuff no absolutely you're right Okay, well, as always, thanks for listening to us on the, the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this this latest episode. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now in Google Podcasts as well. Um, if you use Apple, please leave us a rating or a review. Uh, it's a good way to get us noticed mm-hmm. um, by others, uh, and more and more people are listening every month. Yeah, and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for The Daily Fix. I'm doing the social media for the next two weeks, and I've got some really cool things to share. Yeah, and there's plenty more coming up there as we see the, the new slides being scanned and whatnot will give us lots more content as we go forward towards the end of the year mm-hmm. and beyond. No. So on that note, thanks for listening and we will be back with you very soon. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>